The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Welcome to the Tuesday Rotowire MLB podcast. I, if you, uh, you can tell, am not Jeff Erickson. Jeff is still in Ireland with the family, having a great time. We'll be back with us soon enough. But I'm here with my old fantasybaseball.com partner, Fred Zinke. Man, was it 15, 16 years ago that we were? Uh, I think we spent at least one year together on the site. Yeah, one or two. 15 years ago, I think it was. I think it was 2007 Yeah, where I read the book Fantasyland while on a vacation and decided that I wanted to work in the fantasy baseball industry and sent an email to – I got a, a junk email. I guess you call it junk email. A mass email from fantasybaseball.com saying they were looking for news writers. And everything started there with you. I wouldn't, I think that, I think that's email was probably sent out by before I got brought on. Okay. Cause I didn't do it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, cause yeah, they fantasy planet purchased master ball and then we were together for at least one year. Yep. Um, yep. 
I, I left a, a year early, kind of left you and you and Perry and a couple other people in charge, relaunched Masters Ball. But, uh, you know, you, 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 you said I answered the email. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't bring you in this. And you were finding a way in regardless. Right. I mean, you were going to, you were going to, you were going to come in, you were going to find a way regardless. I mean, I just happened to be me that, that did the first answer, but you were, you were, you were finding a way one way or another. So, uh, but anyway, um, you've been, you know, I know you've been out doing, driving around for a couple hours, maybe missed a game this afternoon, but there's been some news and not a lot of news. Good. Yes. Yes. A lot of news and a lot of bad news. So everybody bear with us. We're not going to have a lot of good news at the start of the podcast, but it's necessary news. And it is good news for some people who can maybe capitalize on it in the right way. Right. So we'll start with something that happened last evening. And that's Ozzy Albies hurting his foot. Didn't didn't foul the ball off his foot, right? It was kind of a, a weird swing and a weird twist. And it really wasn't a pull. He actually fractured it. And he's going to be out a couple of months. That, that it, to me, that's kind. Of, I mean, I'm a heavy guy. I can do that sort of thing. It surprised <laughs> me that that Albies. That's how he hurt himself. Yeah. So already placed on the 60 day IL. So we know it's going to be at least two months. So you're not going to see him till mid August at the absolute earliest. And of course, 60 day IL doesn't always or doesn't even usually. I guess sometimes it does mean 60 days, but. Often it's more than that. Um, Orlando RC is in at second base tonight. I don't think he's much of a pickup type option. Um, if you have Albies, I think you're looking somewhere else other than Arcia. Um, and I'm going to say that I, although I will say, I will give Arcia credit in a really small, really, really small sample size this year. He's played well. So he maybe gets a little bit of an opportunity. Um, I think Albies has to be dropped in all leagues that don't have unlimited that don't have where you don't have ir space unlimited ir space or you have ir spaces and they're not being used i think you have to drop albies everywhere do you agree with that todd yeah i've um i may especially i know we get a little bit too nfp centric around here mm-hmm. but with seven reserves and no il and a speculative closer and a couple streaming pitchers and enough batters to help you out on on the two day a week moves you need every you need every spot you can get Yep. And Albies is a difference maker, but you can't wait for him because when he comes back on September 1st, whatever it might be, you're going to be in third, fourth, fifth, sixth, eighth place, and it's not going to help you. So it takes a real special batter for me to agree or, or say, no, you should draw. Or, well, whatever you when, when to say, no, keep up. It takes a really special hitter. And I don't know uh, if, if, if one exists. So, you know, along these lines, we're going to question now in the chat. Ray from Philly asking about Strasburg on my IL. Now, if it's, if you have limited IL spots, you hold them until there's need, there's someone else that comes along, but uh, it does sound like, I mean, he's got uh, repercussions from the thoracic outlet surgery. So I, I, I'm not counting on uh, Steven Strasburg for anything this year. Are you Fred? No, I think he's, he's an easy drop right now. I think Albies is, kind of an easy drop like you said like without getting too nfbc centric um like most of the cbs yahoo espn leagues have limited il right, slots right, couple right. il slots something like that so i mean if if you have two il slots on your fantasy team and they're not being used right now by players who will be back in less than two months then you're doing really well from mm-hmm. a luck perspective so i i just don't think you can hold him strasburg i would have absolutely no interest in holding like i would half have to have unlimited IL slots right, right. even consider him. I don't think we're going to get anything out of him this season. Uh, I worry about 
getting anything out of him for the rest of his career at this point. Like the velocity was way down. We talked about thoracic outlet uh, surgery. Uh, I, I don't know. We're at the point now. So in the last three seasons, he's thrown 31 and a third innings in yeah. three years. Um, I know he was great. I know he laid it all on the line in the 2019 season in that world series season. Uh, I, I, I worry that he's done. Yeah. Alcantara throws that many innings in a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, now with the rest of like we don't have enough as much information to say Tommy John, but short-term prospects are usually okay with, with thoracic outlet, but it's long-term, mm-hmm. but we're still, I mean, I don't, he's not fully recovered. So I think, I think Strasburg, unless you have unlimited ILs is, is a go. The only other small fantasy implication with, with Ozzy Albies is it clears up the five hole, which, you know, you, you want a top five batter if at all possible. That's mm-hmm. what the numbers show. You get the most fantasy production. Travis Darno hit fifth tonight. He's yep. hit fifth a few other times. Uh, Marcelo Zuna move up to sixth. Uh, so I, that's what I'm keeping my eye on more than anything is to see which of these Atlanta hitters moves up to the five hole. Cause it's, I mean, maybe you don't score as many runs, but your RBIs go up and that's more for a DFS or um, a, a daily league to see who, who's betting there. But that's really, at least at this point, the only other fantasy implication I can see. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, you definitely meant, you mentioned Ozuna who's off to a slow start this year, but has hit some homers in the last couple of days. So maybe he gets a chance to get back into the five hole. Cause he, at the beginning of the season, he's predicted to be somewhere in the top four or five in the lineup. Um, it's good for Dansby Swanson, who was already their regular number two hitter, but at least this takes away probably, even if he had a bad couple of weeks at some point, um, he's homered again already tonight. So, yeah, I mean, he's doing fine, but it, it does take away, like the concern with Swanson at the beginning of the season is that he would hit low in the lineup. He's earned his way up to a high spot in the lineup. They did have Albies hanging around who could have switched with him. Now that's not going to happen. Right. Uh, exactly. Uh, um, I haven't checked it. I should have already checked. Juan Soto, he's back to playing, right? He uh, I've hurt his yes. knee, but he's back in the lineup again. Um, there was some news about Fernando, Fernando Tatis. Did you happen to catch that? I did. So looks like he's not ready to go to the next stage, um, next progression in his rehab. So didn't get good news. Um, not, you know, not clear to start swinging. Uh, so I think anyone who drafted Tatis thinking, hey, maybe this guy could be on the early end of his timetable. Um, as Scott Pianowski likes to say, injury optimism is not your friend. And I'm paraphrasing. I don't think he exactly says it like that, but that's the message that injury optimism is uh is not your friend. So um, this is another case of that. I think if you drafted Tatis with the expectation that he wouldn't be back until July, maybe even the all-star break, then you're, you're still fine. But if you were hoping for an earlier time, if you're, if you were looking at him and thinking, come on, he's so young, you know, healthy type guy, he's going to recover from this on the early end of the timetable. Maybe I get him back by the middle of June. Well, it looks like you're still, if he's not clear to swing, it looks like you're probably at least three weeks away, if not more. Yeah, big question though. I mean, using the seven-man reserve, no IL, is he a drop now with this news in NFPC type leagues, uh, TGFBI, etc.? I feel like it's a little bit of in for a dime, in for a dollar, or maybe throwing good money after bad at this point. Where if you took him, um, if I took him and held him this long, like I think I'd have I'd have to have a lot of red in my lineup. I do have a team like that where I have so much red in my lineup that maybe I would have to drop them. I don't think so. I think, I think at this point I still got to hold them. 
He, different than Albies. Like, Albies is a really good player. Um, but he hadn't been special so far this year. Like, Tatis is on another level where, again, now I'm getting injury optimism. But, right? Like, he could return at the All-Star break and be a top five fantasy player or something after that point. So, I think, I think if I'm in, I think I've got to hold him. If he was dropped in one of my leagues, I would be very aggressive in trying to pick him up. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he'd be pot committed. I think that the bigger difference is you drafted Tatis knowing this was the scenario. You drafted him knowing you were running with a six uh, six man reserve. Yeah. So you should have been smart about position eligibility or just drafting closers so you don't have to worry. But you know you should have done something to make that six man reserve more manageable. So I, yeah, if you have to wait another extra couple of weeks at this point. I think you have to do that. We're kind of burying the lead, though, here as far as major injuries go. Um, and this one caught me off guard. I, I guess I should have been thinking about it, but Liam Hendricks to the yeah. IL with that dreaded, you don't want to hear, forearm strain. Uh, yeah, it looks what, like right now they're hoping um, <laughs> for three weeks or so. I've seen the two, I've seen two weeks thrown out. I don't really buy that. I think they're hoping for three weeks. Um, uh, this one's scary, uh, and yeah. we're talking about a closer who went in the second round of a lot of drafts, the third round of any drafts where he didn't go in the second round. Um, you know, he, he's been good so far, just what you expected. Like, he's leading the AL in saves with 16. His ERA is below three. He's on pace for, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 strikeouts. Everything had been good, even with some ups and downs along the way. Um, if you get him back in three or four weeks, they use him heavily. If you get him back in three or four weeks, he could still end up being a top five closer this year, but this one is, is if you don't have Kendall Graveman, who I don't think is the automatic replacement for him, but is probably the most, but is the most likely replacement. Then I think this one's a really scary one for those who have to, or who have Hendricks. Yeah. You mentioned the usage. I glancing at the log. Now he really hasn't been used excessively over the past, let's even call it month. He's only been, you know, only had four appearances this month. But it's a cumulative effect that you know yeah. they 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 had you know, to, he, May second, third, and fourth, and then again in the sixth and seventh and ninth. So we could be seeing a delayed reaction to uh, overuse of a month ago. It finally caught up to him, something of that nature. But yeah, that's a big one. Whether you know I get him in a keeper league. Um, if you've got Liam Hendricks, you probably don't have a lot of other backup save uh, options. On your on your squad. So you mentioned Kendall Graveman. Aaron Bummer is on the IL right now. Yep. Uh, Joe Kelly. Yeah, right. Um, they really, I mean, we, for a Bill Pullman that we thought was there, the White Sox depth was really hurt when Garrett Crochet went out at the beginning of the season because he was, he was kind of like two relievers, you know? That's so, right. You know, I, I think with Graveman, like he hasn't been great. His whip's 133. That being said, he other than Michael Kopech, who's in, in the rotation, uh, Graveman has the lowest ERA on the team. So uh, so he has some closer experience. He's got the lowest ERA on the team. He's healthy. Um, I don't really see a, a lot of other... I think he's in... And, and Tony La Russa is kind of old school, I feel. Well, kind of. Tony La Russa <laughs> is very old school. You, just, you could have... St- you had me at old. Yeah, so... I feel like he's the kind of guy to just turn to the next most obvious closer because that's the way we kind of used to do things. Like, sure, you could think outside the box. You could see if Reynaldo Lopez, you know, could be your closer or someone like that, Matt Foster or something. And then you keep Graveman in other roles and, you know, move him around 
how, how you can, you know, most get the most value out of them. I don't really see LaRusse as that kind of guy. I see LaRusse as the kind of guy to just look through his depth chart and think, you know, who, who's been pitching the eighth inning, who's been, has been in high leverage situations, who's got the lowest DRA and that that's Graveman. So I feel like there will be aggressive Graveman bidding where he is available on the weekend. Yeah. I get a feeling LaRusse is going to call down and ask for Craig Kimbrell and <laughs> say, we, we did when, and, uh, yeah. and yeah, so the, uh, we'll, we, we, we shall see. Uh, before we move on uh, along the lines of drop or keep on injured players, I think this one's an interesting one. Uh, came to us over on, on Twitter from Mike Tracy. Freddie Peralta. Drop. Kinda, to, he's, I agree. I agree that he, to me he's a drop just because I, I, I'm managing pitching, and I, I, and I need that spot to manage pitching. I'm much more apt to uh, hang on to a thin thread of a batter than I am a pitcher. Um, I just think he, I think he, I think he's a drop like, like Strasburg, you just get off your roster. I think guys like Peralta and all and Ozzy Albies, they're drops in the sense of like, I guess I wouldn't drop them if there was nothing right waivers that interests me at all, you know, um, but other than that, it, I, and maybe if I really didn't have any injury issues other than those players, so I felt like my bench was pretty strong. Um, yeah, I guess I wouldn't drop Peralta just for the sake of dropping him, but that probably wouldn't be the case. If there's someone I just wanted to pick up, maybe you like Graham Ashcraft or someone like that, and you just want to get it, you got a guy you like, and you just want to get him on your team, I, I would look at Peralta as the guy to get sure. rid of. Yeah. Not for Connor Pilkington, though. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Um, and I, who knows? I guess Milwaukee will be sticking. I, I hate to, I didn't like them on the six man rotation, you know, costing Woodruff starts and costing Burns starts with all the injuries. It's really, not, it's, it's really not happening. But, uh, uh, speaking of, of, of pickups, I know you and Jeff like to review your, your high stakes and your TGFBI, et cetera, pickups from the weekend. Who is, uh, who, who are you clicking on the most? Um, well, this didn't go well at all, but um, <laughs> I grabbed some Ronnie Garcia for his two-start week. Um, that Well, the first start didn't go well. It didn't go that terribly. He could still have a solid start on the weekend. Again. He's at home on the weekend against the Rangers. That could go okay. Um, but the first one didn't go great. But he, it, to me, he kind of looked the part. He had a good strikeout-to-walk ratio. I was looking for five innings. He had two home starts. The White Sox, who have a lot of injuries. The Rangers, who aren't a great offense. You know, to me, that felt like a worthy gamble. And then the yeah. other guy we grabbed in a couple leagues, and I know Scott and Toby talked about him on Sunday night, was Braxton Garrett. And I didn't necessarily put him in the lineup because he's at the Mets this week. Um, I'm not sure if there'll be anything there, but I, there's there's enough intriguing about him to just spend a few dollars on and put him on the bench for a week, and let's see how he does against the Mets next week. No, I was with you. To me, Miami has entered that realm of um, just kind of trust. You like the park. You like the team. They've had some decent success with some of their arms that I'm kind of with you there. I spent the better part of Sunday uh, finding replacements for Andrew Kittredge, Colton Wong, and Tyler Stevenson. So I didn't get to take a whole lot of speculative bids. I uh, had a lot of Kittredge. I was able to get Tanner Howe somewhat surprisingly, but I got Jason Adam as well in a couple of places. Um, I'm sure just, you know, from following in general and keeping your eye on the AL East, you kind of have a feel now that the Red Sox will be using Hauk as their closer, but Alex Cora is still hesitant to use him on back-to-back days. 
Yeah, so I, I actually did get Hauk in a 12-team league for $23, which I felt like was... I always felt like I was more just price-enforcing at $23 in a in a 12-team NFPC. But as you know, 12-team leagues are really funky for waivers, and someone can go for 101 league and four in the other. So anyways, I, I felt really excited about getting him. Um, I, I think Hauk... I don't know, you're, you're more plugged into the Red Sox than I am. I feel like from now till the trade deadline at least he's got to be the heavy favorite to lead them in saves. Right. Oh yeah. But again, they, he's the, he's the closer, but, right. but Alex they won't necessarily Cora, go back to back. Yeah. And it, it showed over the weekend uh, on Saturday night when the Hansa Robles uh, blew the save in between the, the Friday and well, yeah, the, the Friday and the Sunday win. It, 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 it was, I thought anyway, that maybe he was holding Tanner Houck for the uh, bullpen game on Sunday. And he was it just to close it, not to open it. So yeah, if he didn't use him that Saturday night, he wasn't going to use him. Um, I also, I, I mean, actually, it was a pretty good weekend as far as I mean. We'll see what happens, but I got John Birdie in a lot of places to replace Colton Wong, and I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that I stick Wong back in there if Birdie's still playing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I worried. I, I held back a bit on Birdie. Um, worried a little bit about his playing time when Joey Wendell comes back. Um, you know, uh, Birdie's been amazing for fantasy, but I'm not sure if he's been good enough that, you know, that there's no way Wendell goes back in to yeah. uh, get some of that playing time. But I mean, there's, there's lots of ways he can play a lot of positions. There's lots of ways for him to get in the Marlins lineup. Actually, I was interested to ask you about pivoting to one of my teams that you had to find replacements for Tyler Stevenson. Did you bid heavily on, on Gabriel or not? No, I was more into the Christian Betancourt. Um, I just uh, maybe using okay. Adley Rushman as a model. I just I don't I I, and I know they're different type of hitters. Uh, Moreno's actually more of a, a a contact type hitter, and maybe that's better at this point. But and, and I, this isn't you know I, I'm not you know going to plant my flag on Christian Betancourt either. But he's got the job. He's playing first base, a little DHing as well. He's getting a lot of playing time. So that was that was more about uh, more about that. I just um, I uh, I wanted the playing time, and, and Moreno's going to play. Uh, Kirk, as you know, I mean, you, you don't need to tell you what the what Toronto's going to do. Kirk's going to stay in the lineup, but catchers struggle, and I felt I felt when Bethencourt comes down from this over his skis, he's still going to be a useful second catcher. I'm also assuming that Bethencourt didn't cost near as much as Moreno. Oh, would've. right. Yeah, like Marino's like at least in some, I I was surprised actually on how little he went for in some leagues, and I do think there's maybe now a bit of a bias against catchers, which is fair. Um, some of the young ones have like Rutschman's haven't done well right off the top. Um, my my concern with Marino was I'm just not sure what he's going to do. He had one homer so far this year um, with AAA Buffalo. Um, there was no real power from him last year. Like he hit eight homers in Double A. Last year, um, he doesn't really steal bases. He did steal three already this year with Buffalo, but he's not really a base stealer. Like in his minor league career, he's, he's never had a 10 steal season. So he's not yeah. really a base stealer. He's an he's a high average hitter who doesn't strike out much. Um, I think he's going to play a fair amount. I think he'll probably play about four games a week, which is totally good for a, for a catcher. Um, you know, maybe he gets in fifth game in a seven game week. I think he could even, if he's hitting well, do that when Danny Jansen comes back. Because um, the Jays kind of, can rotate the DH, DH slot and carry three catchers if they're all hitting well. Um, but they're just, they're, because there's no power there, 
I think there'll be power from him eventually. It's just not there yet. I had trouble justifying big bids. So uh, yeah, I bid, I don't know, 2012, things like that. None of those got him. Yeah, it's like Saya sounds like the the AL version of Kybert or Weez a little bit, but yep. I mean, I, I'm not the best at yep. making comps of that nature. But that's kind of what he sounds like, at least hearing the words. Uh, let's let's talk a little more a little more pitching and maybe back to being a little a little bit of good news, depending upon your perspective, your fantasy or your real life perspective. But Jacob Degrom and Max Scherzer sound like they're throwing. It sounds like Scherzer's a little ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this to me is, is good news because kind of sounded scary uh, with Brandon Woodruff losing feeling in his fingers, et cetera. Um, but he's throwing again and could be on the fast track to returning. So just from a, you know, just a pure, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's healthy standpoint. It's good to see Woodruff coming back. Um, you, when, when you saw the Woodruff news, you kind of, anytime there's actually a syndrome named after what he uh-huh. had, I get a little nervous. I was very nervous and I'm still not out of that ner- those nervous woods yet. So right. I, it's good. Today's good news. I need to see more before I stop being nervous. Like you said, Scherzer's good news. Um, I feel, I feel like even at his age, Scherzer's always going to beat, beat a timetable. He, he's just that such a competitive guy. Hopefully though, he can come back on time or early and then stay back. Uh, and then with all the problems with Tatis, I think this is good news on DeGrom just that he seems to be mostly still on schedule. I mean, they never really gave him much of a schedule. Right. But if you were hoping for him somewhere around midseason, we seem to be kind of on schedule for that. He's throwing bullpen sessions. If that goes well, you see him doing rehab starts, who knows, maybe in 10 days or something like that, and maybe see him starting for the Mets in early July. And I think if you draft obviously if you draft him before the injury, nothing's going to satisfy you. But if you drafted him after the injury in like round 15 or something, if you get him back in early July and he stays back, I think then you got what you bargained for. Did you draft any uh, Jack Flaherty and in, in stash him? Cause uh, making his return tomorrow, right? He's, he's going to be starting for the, for the Cardinals. Um, I, uh, I'm still scared a little bit about Flaherty. I do not have any, any shares. Are you going to just, are you watching as a fan or as a fantasy yeah. interest? a fan uh no shares uh looks like tomorrow if i had jack flaherty i would not start him tomorrow looks like he's gonna be limited to about 60 pitches that's not gonna be enough for him to get a win andre Pallant is gonna come in after him um who sounds kind of more like a hockey player than he does a <laughs> baseball pitcher so uh he's gonna come in after him uh so Pallant actually has a good chance to get a win if flaherty can get off to a good start in the game um Pallant's not an awesome pitcher but he's got a nice ground ball lean um I, I kind of compared him to another Dakota Hudson where he doesn't strike out enough batters to be very good, but he gets so many ground balls that he is also isn't very bad. So, you know, he, he's probably in tomorrow's game by the third or fourth inning. And if he could, and he should be able to throw three or four innings if he's doing well. So maybe he gets a chance at a win, but I think for Flaherty, don't use him in fantasy. Even if you have been stashing all this time, I know it's hard to resist when you've been waiting, but you got to wait at least one more start. Yeah. And it's interesting because St. Louis has a doubleheader today, That's and right. Matthew Libertor started in the in the afternoon. Miles Michaelis is through six now. The bullpen is not being taxed today, which is you know odd have to say after yep. a doubleheader. Uh, so like you're saying, you're saying the, the you do, all hand, not, it's not like an all hands on deck scenario or or Johnny bullpen game tomorrow. Uh, the Cardinals can use their 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 guys. Did you happen to catch any of Libertor's effort this afternoon? I did not, and I wondered if it would be enough to maybe get him another start, but I don't know if it will. Like, 
Like I could see him going back down to the minors. I don't know. We'll see, but I could see him going back down. This is better, but still like it's the pirates. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's enough just with, with Flaherty coming back already. I could see, I've thought about this, like, like do you go out and pick him up? I think we'll see what the Cardinals have to say, but I, I think you don't just yet. He's, he's still also walked two or three batters in every start so far. And those have all been starts of five innings or less. So I, he's not, he's certainly still, he's not dominating, including today, but he, he was better today. Yeah, no, I, I, I caught a little bit of it. Looked more confident throwing strikes. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned face, it was a, it was a, uh, you know, a lesser lineup and kind of a, a double header lineup, right. Where yeah. you're, you know, you're going to use your entire roster at this point. I mean, I, the Cardinals have been using Packy Naughton. I, I, I'm not sure what the schedule lines up with for, but um, I think Libertor did show enough that he's next. And when you get Steven Matz, when he comes back, I mean, they're not a bastion of hell. Zach Thompson is, is the other guy that will probably stay in the rotation again, kind of, kind of pitch just well enough to get the next start. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually pitched better than the, uh, than the Pittsburgh Zach Thompson, which is surprising. Well, it's surprising, but uh, you know, the, the, the Zach with an H is, has been pitching a little bit longer this year. At least the same names. At least they have a, an H and a K. So when I run my my um, uh, V lookup for DFS because I can't use my database, uh, at least I have different uh, a different uh, Thompson in that case, as opposed to Louis Garcia and Max Muncy and some of these other dual names. Um, it wasn't on the agenda, if you will, but you know who know who, who cares? We can we're professionals. I know again you were you were out a little bit, but you probably had half an eye. Um, I, I, I was on the patience, patience with Yusei Kikuchi bandwagon. And that looks like it's backfiring. If, if he doesn't get it done against Baltimore tonight, um, I, I'm gonna, I, it's going to be a hard argument to say he was a really good May, kind of fell off in June, and I expect a rebound. This is now three starts into June, which is making me look pretty bad. Yeah, I could. I think Kikuchi could be a drop right now in twelve team leagues. I don't know if he's a drop in fifteens, just because the starting pitcher pool is so tough in fifteens that maybe you just have to hold him. I mean, you can't use him right now. Like he struggled against Baltimore today, four innings, nine base runners, two home runs, four runs allowed. Previous start was against the Royals. Like that's another really soft landing. Couldn't get out of the first inning. The start before that was at home against the Twins. Okay, the Twins have a pretty good lineup. Um, you know, he really struggled in that one. The start before that was at the Angels. He five innings, two runs. Okay, that's not bad. Ten base runners um, and only four strikeouts. That's not good. The previous start was against the Reds. They're not very good. He couldn't get through five innings. We're going all the way back to a home start against Seattle on May 16th, almost a month ago for the last start that I would sit from him that I would say was definitively good. He had a nice little kind of yet, like you said, three start stretch there in early May that made look like he had maybe turned the corner, but he definitely hasn't. I wouldn't give up on him for like ever, but in a 12 team league, I might need to drop him. Yeah, no, I agree. No, I, and, and, and he made some, sometimes this is a, a recognition by the website difference when it's slider and cutter, but it looked like he made a, a uh, change to his arsenal and it was working. So you like to see something like that mm-hmm. and it, whether or not it was just, you know, just naming the pitch differently or classifying it differently. And it's still the same repertoire. It hasn't, he hasn't had the same results in June. And it's a, uh, it's a little bit of a shame for, for people that would like to listen to my advice because I was wrong anyway. Um, 
we'll uh, Fred and I are going to come back and talk a little closers. We're required by law. It's a podcast. We have to talk closers. And then uh, talk about some hitters and some uh, pitching when we get back. But first, uh, take a little bit of time for our for our sponsors to, to sell you something. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're back. All right, closers. Oh man, I was on the on the uh, wait for closers bandwagon. Um, I wasn't. It wasn't. I'm not going to take a, a victory lap because of Liam Hendricks. You know, it's all who you draft, not why you draft them, right? I mean, every yep. strategy works. Again, another 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 Scotty P thing, another piano thing. It's not. It's not. You know, it's not the strategy. It's not. It's not why. It's who. Um, so, you know, but I, I didn't want to invest that much in a closer. So every, you know, every time you guys talk saves Ryan roof on the site, I'm, I'm right there with you guys trying to make sure that I get my saves up there. Amelia Pagan, Minnesota twins. Are you buying in? If you, if you have Pagan, is he, is he a SP CL one, two, three for you? Is he in your lineup every week? Uh, I think he's in your lineup every week. Um, I think he's a two at best, though. Uh, ERA's fine, whips fine, strikeout rates fine, walks are a little high. Twins have been mostly using him as their closer. They still mix in other guys. That keeps them from being a one. Um, but I guess he's a two. Um, he's not their best reliever, I don't think. But whatever. He's got the closer's role, and, if, and he's good enough to hold on to it. Yeah, and the Twins are a team that should – put together some more wins as the season moves on when, you know, Joe Ryan gets back together, Bailey over. Um, I think in, in the offense in general, that's a team that should have a better at this point, final hundred games or so than, than, you know, the, than the beginning of the season. Um, so I'm kind of with you there. Ah, uh, man, if, maybe, you know, we, maybe we should ask, uh, wait, wait for Jeff, but uh, Hunter Strickland actually looked good last night getting the save. Um, recency bias. What are we, what are you doing with Hunter Strickland? I'm staying disinterested for now. I just, the Reds never really seem to settle on a closer. He is almost a one-to-one strikeout to walk ratio this year. Uh, his ERA is 573. Yeah. He does have two saves in the last like three weeks or so, uh, mixed in there. He's got a game where he gave up two runs, a game where he gave up one run, another game where he gave up one run, and he's got a game where he gave up three unearned runs. So it's not like he's been lights out at all. I think 
that bullpen just continues to, I think, I don't think the Reds have any, any interest at all in finding a closer this year. Yeah. And they've actually, they're actually like 19 and 17 yep. since that horrific start. Anybody, what other, what are, I mean, we talked a little about the Red Sox already. Are there any other bullpens that you're keeping an eye on or, uh, you know, kind of tracking to see? Um, let's see uh, the Phillies. So, disappointed on the weekend that I didn't get Sir Anthony Dominguez in a league where I wanted him. Um, I put in a comp- uh, not that competitive bid. I should have gone higher. That's my one regret from Sunday night was in one league where I could have used saves. I think I should have gone higher because Corey Knable is, they keep saying that he's going to be fine. He's just shut down for a couple of days. Maybe they're right. Knable has a lengthy injury history. Dominguez is pitching great this year. Um, I think he's the obvious guy they turn to if Knable goes down. So, and the, he, Dominguez got a win last night. They're in the midst of an eight-game week. He could probably get other high-leverage opportunities this week. And the Phillies are playing better. So, he's someone I wish I have no shares, and he's someone who in I wish I had some shares in, in a couple leagues where I wanted him. I did not put in high enough bids. So it's my own fault. Yeah, you know, I as I mentioned, I had to replace Kittredge, and. I, I'm kind of weird. I just knew it was going to cost me more than I was willing to mm-hmm. give up for Dominguez. It's kind of like, I don't want to let people know that, you know, I, I should have put in a, in a keep me honest bid. I didn't. I'm not going to get him. I'm not even going to bid on him. That was kind of a dumb, pl- uh, dumb ploy on my part because you never know. Yeah. But so I'm kind of, kind of with you there. And plus, I don't know. I just thought that uh, repl- you know, replacing Kitchard with a Tampa guy, I thought the price would be more uh, economical. And it was. But Dominguez could – all right, so uh, Canable's gotten two saves in the, his past two outings, neither of which are all that impressive. You know, He lucked into the first one, and it wasn't a clean one in the second one. So don't get fooled by, by getting saves in the last two. New manager, we just don't know what's going to go on as far as that goes. I know you, you, know, you wanted to talk about some hitters, um, again, kind of in the – the dropper or, you know, what, what are we expecting going forward? Who are some of the hitters that you're keeping an eye on or, or kind of wondering about, do I play them in my 12 or play them in my 15? Who's kind of at the top of the Fred Zinke, uh, what to do with list. Uh, an interesting one to me is Brendan Donovan on the Cardinals. He already has a couple hits tonight and a couple runs scored. He's batting second. He's eligible basically everywhere. Um, looking at his, skill set i wondered so at the beginning of the year i decided to plant a flag and i was very positive about stephen kwan mm-hmm. it didn't go great although he's actually been better the last little while um kwan continues to have more walks than strikeouts he just doesn't make the quality of contact to do a lot and kwan actually has a few steals now he might get 10 steals this year we'll see um he just he hasn't he doesn't make great contact Donovan's another guy who's similarly interesting to me. So he has one homer and two steals going into tonight and uh, 116 at-bats. So he's not doing much that way, but he's hitting 310. Babbitt's a little high, but more walks than strikeouts, 20 to 18. You don't get a lot of guys with more walks than strikeouts. Cardinals have a good lineup. I'm interested in, in Donovan. Are you? Um, I am not uninterested, but... I've got, I mean, I'm, I'm stuck on Cesar Hernandez. I know I shouldn't be. I've kind of log jam in the middle because, and I know Donovan can play a couple of different spots. I mean, I kind of mentioned Wong before. I'm a big fan of, of Colton Wong. I kind of, I, I, I kind of have my fill 
of middlemen that I probably shouldn't shouldn't be interested in anyway. Yeah. But you know, as an analyst, you know, analyst, I am interested in Donovan because early in the year, you know, the the lack of home runs and lack of stolen bases are a detriment. But it comes a time we're getting close there, if not already, where you know having a pulse and playing every day is is you know paramount. You you, you keep up those counting stats. All right, so you're not getting the homers, not getting the steals. You're getting some runs, some RBI, and if you give you some batting average, you can take a shot on someone else later. What uh, where is, where's Donovan eligible at this point? He, it's still all right. So in, in in traditional leagues with five games, he's got first, second, third, and short and outfield. Yep. So he, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, but basically everywhere. Ten games right now. It's second, third, and outfield. But once if you got second, if you know, so you don't have shortstop yet, you can still probably figure out a way to get him in there. There, I mean, there's the advantage over Stephen Kwan, right? Yep. I mean, Kwan, you have to put him in the outfield, so. I think that is kind of a – I mean, you talked about Joey Wendell. I prefer Joey Wendell because you do get a little bit of third, – third third piano reference tonight, category juice. Sorry, Scott, but yeah. you're you're very quotable. You're a very quotable young man, uh, Mr. Pianowski. Uh, so, uh, but, yeah, um, a guy – another guy I know you want to talk about, and I just wrote about him, is Christian Walker. Um, I mean, the power – yeah, so the power is there. I said that going into tonight, he, he sat 11th in the majors in homers, 36th in RBIs. Um, but he's hitting 209. The Babbitt pluck has been – well, the Babbitt pluck on the surface seems like it's been terrible. So you just wrote about him. Is it, is this just an example of bad Babbitt pluck? And he, this should really be a guy who's hitting 250, which with your 11th in the league in homers, hitting 250. And if you were hitting 250, you wouldn't be 36th in RBIs. You'd probably be 20th or 25th or something like that. That would make you a lineup lock even in 12 team leagues like you're in you're staying in no matter almost no matter what is he that guy or are we not there yet he is for me and it because his power spike because he's hitting more fly balls mm-hmm. now that could be the reason why his bad hips drop yep. right when the fly you know especially with the the ball that's sprouting parachutes this year that's they're staying in the park and in arizona is kind of a big a big park now or it's playing big with the humidor although they've always had the humidor well not always but past four years um, to, to, you know, to, to get to the, to cut to the chase, his BABIP on ground balls, especially is low. So that should revert, you know, to, to, to normal levels, you know, gambler's fallacy. It's not going to get lucky, but even if it reverts to normal levels, the batting average comes back. So he's someone even in a 12 and I've had, I had enough injuries that I was able to get Walker either at my corner or utility. And so he is someone I think it's paid off so far this week. I think he had a home run uh, to to begin the week, if I recall. So he is somebody that I am, you know, especially if I I'm I'm betting on the come a little bit because the underlying metrics uh, portend a bit of a breakthrough. Yep. I agree with you. And the the other hitter that I wouldn't mind talking about, I don't know if you've looked at him much, but I looked at Marcus Simeon because I find him to be one of the most interesting hitters so far this year. So he was awful during April and May. So far in June, he's I, a few days ago in Yahoo, he was their number one player in, in of June so far. Um, he's got five homers and five steals, and we're basically halfway through the month. He's hitting over 300 this month, so that all sounds really good. So the easy conclusion is that Marcus Simeon's back. Right. He was awesome last year. He's got off to a slow start in Texas. Maybe it's the contract, new team, who knows? But maybe the rest of the way we're going to have him hit. If the rest of the way he could hit at a 30 homer pace, 
He steals a lot of bases from the top of their lineup. If he hits for average, we're golden. Maybe by the end of the year, you actually get some semblance of what you paid for. Then I looked a little more at his batted ball data from this month, and it it actually isn't very good. It, it isn't any better than his batted ball data from the other months. I think his hard contact rate over at Fangraphs in June is the lowest of the three months so far, and it was really low. It's like 18% or something like that going into tonight. So I started off writing about Marcus Simeon thinking I was going to be able to tell people he's turning around full steam ahead. By the time I was done the paragraph, it was kind of like, I don't know if he has turned things around. He's going to keep stealing bases because that's a way for him to contribute to the Rangers for the leadoff spot. But I don't know if he has turned things around. And I wonder if I had Simeon in a trading league, if I might like to move him now on the premise that he's turned things around. Because if you could get something similar to, to the draft value you paid for him, probably a fourth round pick, I might I might get out if I could get some value like that right now. I'll be honest, this isn't going to be a very fun discussion because I was never in. Right. Um, you, you mentioned for a lot of the reasons that you talked about, um, the batted ball data isn't very good, mm-hmm. and it's never been very good. He is so dependent on hitting his home runs in, you know, in the first quadrant, right down the line. Yeah. If you look at his, 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 his uh, distribution charts. All right. The argument, well, that's where he hits them. And if, you know, why, why shouldn't he continue to hit them in that area? Well, first it is a new park and it's a uh, compared, especially where he was last year in all three of the parks he was at last year. Uh, uh, the globe life field, the down the line left field is, is uh, a longer poke to me. That's just less margin of error. If you're, if in order to hit your 30 homers, if 27 of them have to go between the follow pole and, you know, uh, you know, 30%, 20% of the way over in left field, that doesn't leave you much margin of error. So I was never high on Simeon or, you know, to begin with. So my, you know, if he gets back to that point, I'm still not fourth round for him. So I'm kind of with you. If you can get anything, if you, if, if someone needs some, some speed, there's an easy sell. You can, you can sell Simeon. Uh, I, you know, I'd, I'd like him as a ball player, a very good defender. I like second ba- shortstops that are willing to go over and play second base and uh, for the good of the team, if you will. I just think that's a good thing. But uh, I think he was a little bit overdrafted to begin the season. And I'm, again, not going to take a lap, uh, I, although I could use the exercise. Um, I think that it's just that uh, it's just so dependent on the pull home run. Yeah. And his, like, so to, just there's some things we just go a little deeper on him. Like, so his his batting average so far is only 226, but his BABIP's only 249, which is lower than any of his previous years. So it makes you think, okay, he just needs some better luck. But then when you get really geeky and going on his stat cast data, his average exit velocity so far this year is the lowest of his career. Barrel rates down, hard hit rates down. Stat cast has him at a 214. XBA. So they actually are saying that his 226 batting average so far is a little bit fortunate given the batted ball data that he's been able to produce. So I think he's someone where you just have to look a little deeper before you buy low on him. Um, yeah, I'm not, like you said, like I'm not convinced the power's back and the trade off to get that power would probably kill him elsewhere. I do think he will steal a fair amount of bases. I think that's a way he's trying to contribute to the Rangers without mm-hmm. being a great hitter. He, like he, he knows he has to provide value to that team with his contract. So I could see him stealing 25 bases this year, which would be tremendously valuable. Like we know stealing bases is a bit of a choice. So 
I could see that. And that would salvage a lot of value. But I, I don't think if you if you could get him on a 25 homer pace for the rest of the way, that would be amazing. I just don't think it's going to happen. See, 25, 25 for the rest of the I mean, that's that's kind of where I had. I mean, he, he had the, the happy fun ball year, too, which he his home run, his fly ball distance was in that sweet spot of if he loses five feet, he's losing a disproportionate number of homers. Uh, which is another, you know, has to do with where he hits him, et cetera. So he's also being hurt by the ball this year. Um, yeah. So, you know, and, and I don't know how much weather warming up helps a batter that's going to play half his game to 72 degrees. Right. That's, I mean, yeah. Yeah. It, he's not going to get the benefit of the heat and humidity of Globe Life Field because if that thermometer ticks over 72, they hit the button and that roof closes. Uh, you know, in that, that park the, with the wind, et cetera, it, it just plays some, yeah, well, we don't have that much data, but it plays really well as a hitter's park with the roof open. The roof is just hardly ever open, at least once we get further on into the season. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. So we got about another, another 10 or so minutes. We try to keep you folks around an hour. So you don't have to look at me for too much longer. Um, those of our, those of you that are actually, you know, looking any pictures on your mind. Uh, what are we, what are you seeing for some pitching? Uh, as far as the um, you know guys that are a little over their head, benefiting from the home runs, Martin Perez finally got his comeuppance. What's on your mind as far as pitching goes? Uh, let's start with Merrill Kelly. Is he a drop? He he was not good last night. He has not been good lately. I don't think I think a lot of people expected he wouldn't be very good this year. He briefly was, and everyone was excited pretty bad the last little while like he had the awful two innings eight runs game but since then five innings three runs five innings three runs five innings three runs two earned one good start at cincinnati and then last night six innings five runs um he's walking a lot of batters so he's walked at least two in let's see three six eight straight starts and a lot of some of those starts he's got three or four walks i think in a 12 team league this guy might be on his way out the door. See, now again, it's it's all context because we all it's the way we play the game. For me, he's a drop because he's in that range of to me, he's a streamer. And maybe I'll look to see what he's got coming up the following week before I drop him. If I'm yeah. gonna if I only have to, you know, sit him one week. But I I'm I'm you know, I get burned when I use Connor Pilkington and sometimes you get um, you know, lucky uh, when you know, you pick someone up and 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 performs well for a couple of starts. So he's in that, and he's not he's good enough for me to. What does he have coming up? Yep. But I'm not, you know, I'm not sitting on him. And, you know, the other thing when I say to myself, if I drop him, if I drop him, and Fred picks him up, how upset will I be? And you know what? I, I sure, especially if it's you. But I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lose sleep. If I happen to lose someone like someone like Kelly. Okay. So would you sooner send, let's say there's a starter on waivers that you like, you got to cut someone. Would you cut Kelly or would you cut Ian Anderson? Who's actually been a lot worse than Kelly so far this season. Continued to be bad last night, four innings, four runs, six hits, four walks. He has had very, very few effective starts lately. Yeah. Isn't this the, uh, the typical, conundrum of you know we, we look we our eyes go to era era is relatable when we're talking to our non-geeky friends they understand era uh but 
it's with 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 Anderson, it's the whip versus the strikeouts. And I don't even think he's getting, you know, a high amount of strikeouts this season. The strikeout least. rate, it's, it's awful. It's, it's yeah. seven and a half per yeah. nine. So, and that's with a high whip. So he's facing a lot of batters. Strikeout yeah. so rate's the, poor. The walk rate's poor. Yeah. So he's one of those guys where, you know, you probably drafted him because you thought he was going to break out, blah, blah, blah. So it's really hard to get rid of him. But I think you have to. And he may come back and burn because he has the, the skills to get it together and, and make you pay for the drop. But if he's not giving you strikeouts to go along with that whip, he's he, he, there's just nothing positive about what he's doing. So I will have so I mean I would drop I would I would actually drop it. I think to, to answer your question, I would drop Anderson first. But it's not you know that's not a pro Merrill Kelly, uh, you know necessarily more than yeah Anderson is disappointing now. He had what, just under a strikeout an inning last year, and. I know we should be looking at percent, especially because he walks so many batters that his strikeout percent is probably lower than his K per nine, if you will, kind of relating the two of them. Um, but uh, yeah, Anderson, if he's, if he's if that whip, yeah, that's just, as far as ratios go, ERA is more variable. You, you want to control your whip and you kind of let ERA take care of itself and you don't want to add that whip into yeah. you know on, onto your record would you drop either of those guys for mitch keller who was not good last night against at st louis but at st louis a tough outing five and a third two runs eight base runners only two strikeouts pitch mix change that i know a lot of people have been talking about the last three starts have been a little bit better although one of them had five walks in it at the dodgers though it's a tough matchup and at least he came out of that alive um would you drop either of those guys, for example, for Mitch Keller, which I guess is a whole set. We already talked about dropping them. Would you be interested in picking Mitch Keller up? So if I, coming into this weekend, if I had either of those guys, would I have dropped them for Mitch Keller's two-step? And That's I right. probably would not have. Okay. Um, again, I just, uh, it's, I'm, I put my, and I do this to myself, and I know this isn't all about me, uh, but I, by, by waiting on starting pitching and closers, uh, I put myself in this scenario where I have to stream, but it's kind of hard to do so. And my, 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 my research shows that my research shows that the top two teams in the 15 team league are successful streaming, but the bottom 13 aren't and whether that's skill or luck based, I don't know. And that's what the way, the way I found that out or the research was I took the staff that you drafted the, the it's like the ERA of the, the nine pitches you draft. And all right, in that in their end of the season ERA, you know that's that's it. That's the the, the comparison number is if right. you didn't make any moves, and then I compare that to what your actual ERA was making the moves. And only one or two teams in each fifteen team league improve on their air quote drafted ERA. So it's kind of like you have to do it to come in first or second, but it's really hard to do. Yeah, or or maybe you you come in first and second because you do it, but you need to do it to do it. To, to, you know, so whatever, yeah. however way you want to phrase it. And so I'm kind of putting myself in that hole. Now I'm actually out doing okay with pitching. Now, all right. So I, the, you know, you do this strategy. You're supposed to crush it in bats. Well, Zola's not crushing it in bats, at least not so far. That's that's been the issue with with, with what's going on there. But um, I'm trying to think who who this week maybe who would I have picked up. Um, you know, in this scenario, what two start? This isn't the greatest week, um, 
to make it was, to, it was not <laughs> yeah to do that and I, I mean that's that's one of the things i talked about in the piece and it's kind of leading me into when i when i do this next week i'm actually going to provide um i'm going to point out all the pitchers using the nfpc a and that adp that you know rostership level that are are rostered on in 50 percent or fewer leagues and use those as kind of the cutoff as guys to that you you know where they where where they're can you pick them up based on my rankings? And, um, you know, I, I, I use a middle reliever in my rankings is kind of a, this is the cutoff point. Anybody ranked above this reliever you want to use anybody ranked below this reliever you don't want to use. And, uh, uh, you know, so in anybody that has a 50% or less roster ship go to pick up. So the ones this week that would even be talking about were Keegan Thompson, David Peterson, Kyle Bradish, Flexen, Cueto, Alex Faedo, Justin Steele, Mitch Keller, uh, Lyles, and and Taylor Hearn. Um, Mike, oh yeah, well Mike, Mike Miner. I may have dropped Kelly for Fiedo. I uh, would have dropped Kelly or Anderson for Chris Flexen, and I would have gotten burned. Um, he wasn't too bad. Okay, you know what? It was, wasn't it one of those where he started out? He gave up Homer right he, off the top. To yeah, Brunson. all right, that's what it was. Yeah, then he settled in. He was okay. Yeah, okay. Um, and I may have done it. I can't remember Cueto's matchups, but I may have done it for Cueto. So yeah. there weren't a whole lot, but but that's that's those. I mean, I wouldn't. No Thompson, obviously no Bradish. Uh, Keller would not have made the cut. Justin Steele. I'm sure you've had some talks with Jeff. It's one of those guys where we started him and he stunk, and when he's on reserve, he cruises. Totally. So. I can't uh, figure that guy out at all. Yeah, yeah. So he's back to being, you know, somewhat trustable again. But yeah, that's where I am with, uh, with 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 Anderson and with, um, Kelly, um, Alex Wood. Mm-hmm. I thought he was pitching better than he was, but he was actually available in some leagues. Were you, yeah, were you... He, he's yeah. I asked you. So this has been a bit of a thing with the Giants this year. Like. I keep referring to Alex Cobb, who's injured right now, but not oh. for long, as the unluckiest pitcher in baseball because his BABIP's like, whatever, 400. He, he's got an amazing ground ball rate. He's got an amazing strikeout rate. He's got a horrible ERA. It just doesn't add up. Wood's been like that a little, like not to the same degree, but like that. Like a lot of ground balls, um, strikeout rate solid, BABIP's high, ERA's high, FIP looks good. It seems like the Giants just aren't doing their pitchers a lot of favors this year. And maybe their luck will turn around at some point, although the players aren't changing. Wood was better last night. Six innings, two runs, only five base runners. Um, you know, he's not giving up home runs. His walk rate's good. Um, strikeout rate's solid. He, he should be better. than Like you said, you thought he was pitching well. Oh, I, I think we can make the argument he is pitching well. He's just not getting great results. Against a right. pretty easy matchup against Kansas City last night, he got results. I don't, I'm not ready to say he turned the corner last night, but somehow these Giants pitchers, when Cobb gets back too, um, they deserve a little better fate than they've had, some of them. And that's unusual to say for Giants pitchers. No, it's true. I, uh, I haven't checked into the – I know they've had some injuries, and we talk about the platoon yep. as far as batting go. I, I haven't checked into their defense to see how much some of the injuries have affected their defense. I know that part of Brennan Crawford's turnaround – last year was defensively as well. His defense was on the downswing and he kind of recovered in that area. So I, I, I need to check there. Um, I know third base has been a little unstable, so maybe there's something to do there, but they've got Matthew Boyd coming back 
at some point, not coming back, uh, making his Giants debut. In, you know, I'm, yeah. in, I'm interested in Matthew Boyd in what's it called on that Oracle Park. You know, you, you have to be. Um, if home runs are your issue, I'm interested in, in in one of the power suppressing one of the biggest power suppressing parks in the league in Matthew Boyd. Anthony Descofani, I, I checked. I mean, he's not coming back tomorrow, but I still left him with some starts in my rest of season. So he should be coming back at some point. I'm kind of with you in that, you know, we want to, you know, it's so hard to find pitching. We want to be able to trust the Giants when we make that decision. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yes, uh, yes they're one of the teams, one of my major major teams to trust, and they haven't been as trustworthy. By the way, note on that Matthew Boyd, he had a setback yesterday, he had to cut short the throws. Yeah. So you're gonna wait yeah. a little while longer. Yeah, I check Friday. I, I do my updates on Friday. Yeah. So as of Friday, folks, he was uh it was things were looking okay. Bit of a but, setback, um, yeah. I had an interesting conversation with Paul Spore today on the Sirius XM show. He put out his his top uh 100 starters uh, for the rest of the season and he had Alec Manoa at number 27 um you know as a fantasy analyst slash uh Blue Jays follower I mean I think I think it's fair to say that you know by the tone of my voice or you know the coyness I kind of disagreed is do you think where where would you put Alec Manoa and you know kind of you know not let's leave aside the career you know, the rest of the season, if you were doing a, even for the next month, where, where would you have Alec Manoa on a, on a starter list? Yeah, so that, to me, that feels low in the sense of you said it was, I think you said 27th. Yeah. So Manoa was drafted around the 27th starter and right. Like in drafts, I like without me going back and exactly checking. So he was drafted around the 27th starter since then. He's put up a 167 ERA and a 0.91 whip, even his FIPS 280. So it's not like he's, I mean, he's been lucky, but he's not all luck. Um, so now in his career, we have 32 starts. So basically a full season of starts, right. 17 and three, 259 ERA, 0.99 whip. His strikeout rate's good. It's not incredible. He's like about, he's a little over a strikeout per inning in his career so far. Um, so I'd be interested to know from Paul, yeah, like why so low? on Manoa. He's also backed by a really good team. Uh, so, he, you know, he should get some run support. Jay's bullpen's not incredible, but it's, it's good enough. It's good enough. Um, yeah. Like he's not going to go 17 and three over his next 32 starts, like in his career. I get that, but I want, I feel like Manoa, <coughs> excuse me, should be in the top 15 at least. Should, yeah. shouldn't he like am i like am I, is this a homer pick by me no but, no no I'll, like, I'll, what I'll, else does he need to what else does he need to do we've got a full season of starts now and we've got a 0.99 whip right and right. 195 strikeouts yeah this, this is um, games too which a lot of guys Paul, Paul well well you know to, to have people uh you know check out paul's work it's yeah. for free on fan graphs he does have a paragraph on manoa justifying the pick or you can go back and listen to us on sirius xm uh, uh, today the show is in the bank. You can go back and listen to that. But I, I, with the discussion I had with with with, with Paul was, and I think well, I'm not the only one. I think everybody does this in one manner, way, shape, or form. I'm kind of when I, I'm thinking of Manoa, how I feel he'll be for his career, which to me is, I mean, elite. I think at some point we'll be talking about Alec Manoa among the elite starters. 
Um, so, you know, it's kind of, I have to flesh that out when I rank him for this season. All right. He's not elite yet. He's very good. So, you know, I, I think when I, if I off the head, ah, top 10, Oh, wait a minute, maybe not this year, you know, sort of thing. The thing that's, that I'm a little concerned about, you mentioned the strikeout rate it's down this season, at least so far. I have not done the deep dive. Is it not spin? Is it different pitches? Has it just faced in an ordered amount of teams that just don't strike out? And all he needs is three weeks of 10 per nine to get it to a, you know, to get it to one per inning again. So, but I, I, I feel 27 is low. I don't think he's a top 10 guy yet, but you know, if, if I'm asked, you know, if I'm looking for a, a dynasty league pitcher, Alec Manoa is pretty close to the top of that list. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd have him. Logan Gilbert would be right up there for me as another young, good young pitcher who I like. So I can see putting like Burns and Cole ahead of him. I get McClanahan has much higher strikeout rate. So you probably go in that direction. Um, Alcantara kind of is Manoa, but even more better. Like as far as not a high strikeout rate, but he really eats up innings you know, and gets a lot of ground balls, low ratios. So he's better. Uh, Aaron Nola, I would take over Manoa because Aaron Nola doesn't always put it together, but the strikeout rate's always really good. Uh, After that, I feel like there's a large group of pitchers where there's not much to choose from, right? Like Joe Musgrove, what's the difference? They're both same amount of innings, pretty much same amount of strikeouts. ERAs are similar, whips are similar. Doesn't seem to be much difference between those guys. Max Fried could be in there. Like I just mentioned, Logan Gilbert. Scherzer will be back at some point, but there's a lot of risk there. Um, Zach Wheeler. I, I might put him higher for the rest of the season than Manoa. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think once you get past the first six or so, six or seven, then there's a lot of guys in a large group, but I think Manoa's in that group. Oh, Gosman. I, I forgot about Gosman. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right, right. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, Gosman ahead of him. Although Gosman's last couple starts haven't been quite as impressive. So he throws little... the best splitter in the league, and the splitter is still the hardest pitch for major league batters to to handle. So, uh, and he's not getting overmatched in the AL East at all, and and he doesn't have to face his own lineup, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, one more guy I know you want to talk about. We'll get to him in just a second, but going through the questions. To reward those that have been uh, hanging out with us, do we think that Sale's going to put uh, be put in the bullpen? I, 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 if it gets him back to the big leagues, yeah, it's not a permanent move. It's to get Chris Sale back on the team. So it would not shock me if Chris Sale comes back and is in the bullpen. Uh, then the same Don, Don Coberleone also just anecdotally mentioned that he went with Trevor Rogers over Manoa. You know, Fred, back in the draft season, that was – was that a coin flip? Rodgers and Manoa? Uh, I would say so, yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, you you know, it's just – he's not – you know, it's just more, more of just, you know, narratively saying, you know, oops, you know, I messed up. But, no, it's just that's the way things work. And Rodgers had another poor start tonight. And I think it's – it's you could you could put him in the – oh, you know, to drop Trevor Rodgers, who would have thought. But without that changeup – He's just not getting it done. Yeah, that exactly. And I, I wasn't, I actually have no Rogers shares, but I wasn't against getting him. Mm-hmm. And as high as he was drafted, I, we're talking about someone who had one good season so far, one good 25 start season last year. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, like the numbers this year are awful. In a 15-team league, I think you have to hold him and hope he comes around, I guess. In a 12, though, yeah, I think you could, could consider dropping him. This is the time of the year where you start maybe running out of patience for some of these guys and you make drastic moves. Right. No. So uh, I know one other guy you wanted to mention, we're a little past an hour, but we'll, we'll go through it. Lance Lynn deserves a couple of our minutes. Did you, did you catch any of his start last night? No, but I was shocked by the results. Like he gave up 10 hits to a Tigers lineup. I had just written up the Tigers lineup earlier in the day and how just incredibly bad they had been in June. They had one home run in June going into that game. They've been really bad. Anyways, he wasn't good. I think that just means it's just another reminder that maybe when pitchers are coming back from a long-term absence, you got to be careful with those initial starts. I said I would start him because the Tigers are such a soft landing, but he couldn't convert that. So now I think he has to stay on your bench until you see something positive from him. Well, actually, you saw something positive from the third inning on. He, he gave up seven of those hits in the first two innings. Right. Um, kind of a, a victim of BABIP. Um, I don't know if you caught it, but it was a very heated argument in the dugout between him and Joe McEwing, the third base coach. And after the game, uh, Lynn said, oh, yeah, we were arguing over our favorite kind of steak. Hmm. Uh, word has gotten out that he was complaining about the defensive positioning. Right. And, you know, the, the shifting and he didn't he, he wasn't happy. And I guess McEwing is probably in charge of that. I would I would have to surmise based on it all. And Lynn's kind of old school. And if to, in order to the shift to be effective, you need to pitch into it. Right. Yeah. I don't know if Lynn's arsenal is that sort of arsenal. You know, he's kind of a, a high high rider sort of pitcher. I don't know that you could pitch into the shift when you're up in the zone with the four-seamers so much because you're trying to induce fly balls, you know, as a, it, more than anything else. So I think he was just a little upset about that. Uh, fired himself up. He pitched a lot better afterwards. Uh, man, I don't like keeping guys in the bench until they have a good start because you lost their good start. But it's a matter of how many bad starts do you lose before you get that good start. That's right. You know, it's it's that it's that magic number. Um, I'm still a little bit. I was down on Lynn in general because he during the the aging curve dinged him lower than where he was going. According, if you just draft off his numbers, I have an aging curve built in, so I was off of Lynn as far as that goes. Uh, that's fine. Uh, I still have to rank him and tell people what to do. Oh, I hate to say sit him on your bench, but I could be with you. Um, he didn't pitch very well on the farm either during his rehab. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I'm willing to miss one good one if I have to, because I don't think it's coming maybe right away. No, I, I think, I think, I think we agreed a little too much. I don't, you know, I know it's, it's hard to disagree with Jeff as well, but uh, maybe, maybe if I, if he fill in again, I'll have, we'll have to be a little more combative, Try our best. but uh, I'd like to thank you for putting up with me for for the hour in a few minutes it was great catching back up with you again as far as, uh, you know, good old times. Can you tell the folks uh, a little bit what uh, other than this weekly Rotowire podcast, what you're now doing or what can we look for? Yeah. So I've got some articles coming out at a, a trade article come out today about tips on sending the message that you send with your trade, like some etiquette tips and things like that, some effectiveness tips. Um, and then, Thursday I've got an article coming out about pitchers with really high ground ball rates and how they've been faring so far this year and maybe some that you may want to add or some that you may want to avoid real quick um, do you consider ground ball rate a skill or a trait I've never thought about that before Um, I 
guess I will think of it as a skill. I guess a I, skill. Yeah, I I mean I think of it more of as a trait. Okay. Because I will take a Lance Lynn in a big ballpark with good outfielders. I want him putting the ball sure. in the air. Yep, absolutely. You know, yep. so it, I I agree that more often than not, you'd like a low ground ball rate, a high ground ball rate. I'm sorry, but there are scenarios where I don't mind if my pitcher isn't inducing ground ball. So I get, I mean, if that's the, if it's more of the not, I guess it's a skill, but you have to put that addendum in there. That's all. And we just did. So we got the job done. All right, folks, that's, that's it. Uh, Jeff should be back next week. You know where to find Fred on Twitter at Fred Zinke MLB, me at Todd Zola. Happy that you joined us and uh, have a great week. And uh, the guys will check back with you, with you next Tuesday.